a cancer center built without toxic carcinogens. Such a simple idea and something that many in the healthcare industry believe could soon become a reality. In hospital architecture and building, what are the other promising examples of environmental responsibility that might apply to your clinical setting? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgery, and our guest today is Mr. Gary Cohen, Co-Executive Director of Healthcare Without Harm, an international campaign in support of environmentally responsible healthcare. Welcome, Mr. Cohen. Thanks very much for having me. We are discussing environmentally sustainable building initiatives in healthcare. Mr. Cohn, what are some of the building initiatives that are important in this whole scheme? Well, Healthcare Without Harm developed a health-based framework for building renovation and construction called the Green Guide for Healthcare. And it's a comprehensive framework that talks about everything from how you site the building and how you design it, the energy systems you use, the lighting, the building materials, that puts health at the center of building and construction. In the past, a lot of green building efforts that have happened in the country have been more focused on energy efficient issues and and other things related to the larger environment. What's unique about the Green Guide for Healthcare that we created is that it really speaks to the healthcare profession and puts health as a, a fundamental framework, health promotion as a fundamental framework for green building. Give us some specifics, please. Well, one specific example is that many hospitals are moving from vinyl flooring to safer alternatives, synthetic rubber and other alternatives. There are multiple benefits to this transformation. One is that vinyl is a toxic product with many problems, both in the production of vinyl, PVC, and when you dispose of it, you create dioxin. When you use it in order to make it soft, they use toxic chemicals that then off-gas from the flooring in this case. And so when you use a safer alternative, you don't have this off-gassing. Also, we've determined with a number of hospitals that have made this transformation that it also has other positive benefits. So it reduces noise levels, which is helpful to the workers and the patients. It also reduces trips, slips, and falls, which cuts down on worker compensation claims and staff injuries. So you have multiple benefits from a switch to from vinyl flooring to safer alternatives. Are there any downsides to it? We don't see the downsides. I don't think there are any downsides. I think the transition is around making all the alternatives cost competitive and even cheaper than vinyl. The other important factor is training the staff personnel to understand that you don't actually need the same kind of toxic cleaners to clean the floor as you did with the vinyl. So it's a staff training issue, and it's working on the economic economies of scale. And what about the ventilation systems? Oh, that's an interesting story as well. We learned that the average North American hospital uses about twice as much energy as the average Northern European hospital. And there were a couple of factors that contribute to that. One is that the Northern European hospitals typically don't use air conditioning. But the other factor was that the way that they ventilate patient rooms is very different. In the United States, the ventilation is from the top of the patient room and the air is sort of pushed down 
and then moves around, and then it, it leaves, it again, from the top of the patient room. And in the European system, the ventilation starts from the, the intake part, is from the, the sidewall near the floor, and then it moves up with the natural ventilation so that the outtake valve is at the top. So you're requiring less air changes per hour and therefore up to 30% less energy. But we're also researching the fact that because the air is moving from the bottom and then up through the top of the room, it may actually improve infection control rates because rather than having the air circulate all around and reinfect people, it's actually taking that air and then sending it up through the roof. What was the impetus for them to do it that way and not follow the American way? I don't know the history of that, but it's been an impediment in the United States for that transformation because there are various guidelines that the American Institute for Architects puts forward that stipulates certain kinds of ventilation. And now there's some really interesting innovation and research going on to try to validate why this is a good idea and then to change the rulemaking around it. Have these hospitals that do this different type of ventilation actually improved infection rates? Well, that's what they're researching. There hasn't been good enough data on that, so there's been some there's work going on between uh, Kaiser Permanente and Partners Healthcare and Providence Healthcare to, on a joint research project to, to document whether that, in fact, is true. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and our guest today is Mr. Gary Cohen, co executive director of Healthcare Without Harm, an international campaign in support of environmentally responsible health care. We are discussing environmentally responsible building initiatives in healthcare. Mr. Cohen, are there any model green institutions in use or under construction today? Well, there are many uh, now. There are 150 different hospitals piloted our Green Guide for Healthcare. There are a number of hospitals that are doing really exemplary work on a whole set of different factors by increasing the lighting in the hospital, by using safer building materials by actually generating all their energy on site. So there's a number of good examples around the country now where a decade ago there were very few. And when hospital executives um, were recently polled in a national poll about whether they would be adopting green building principles in their future construction, 85% said absolutely. And one of the real drivers for that was, A, that uh, patients and employees are expecting it, and the other is enormous interest in figuring out how to save on um, energy costs and make their buildings more energy efficient. Do you think that this movement towards green initiatives will be a factor in accreditation of the institution? Well, it's, uh, it's an interesting question. Just recently, um, Medicare and Medicaid decided that they're no longer going to be reimbursing hospitals for certain kinds of medical errors, for which there's plenty of evidence that suggests that if you do these interventions, you won't have these medical errors. So they're... They're already starting down this road, and I can imagine in a few years that the Joint Commission will start mandating certain kinds of environmental health interventions, both in design and operations, that will become standard in the industry. Do you think that the insurance companies will also get involved in terms of giving better remuneration towards those institutions that have greater green initiatives? Yeah, I think we're starting to see the insurance companies waking up in a broad way to environmental issues insurance companies have certainly realized the enormous implications and cost to them related to global warming. And so I think that environmental health issues are, are coming right behind that. It seems that overseas, 
the hospitals and the communities are more receptive to green building initiatives. Is this the case? And if it is, why? Well, certain countries have um, are way ahead of the United States in certain areas. Like what? Germany and Sweden are very advanced on issues around energy efficiency and green building design. There's been lots of validation for the idea that when you have more light in patient rooms and natural light in general, people uh, feel better. There's greater productivity. Patients heal faster, and they're happy to leave the hospital sooner. So it actually cuts down on costs. And those things, uh, those practices have become more generalized in the society. And in Sweden also, there's just a, there's a national commitment toward environmental health in the society, and so the hospitals follow suit. They're part of the larger society. In the United States, there hasn't been a national commitment to support the health of our people. Therefore, uh, the hospitals have also been slow to come to this realization. Well, why do you think that is? I always like to think about the United States as having uh, the highest quality of health care in the world. Ironically, the United States has the highest cost for health care in the world, and under a whole bunch of indicators, shows up around 12th among industrialized nations for the health of our people. So we spend more than everybody else, but we don't have healthier people as a result of it. A lot of the priorities have been misaligned in healthcare due to the financing structure. The other area is that there's been a complete lack of leadership at the federal level around issues around energy and climate protection and safer chemicals. And Why safer, is that? I think that the government has been focused on fighting the war in Iraq than fighting the war on cancer and doing everything that it can to get off of its reliance on Mideast oil and to help the economy move toward a safer energy economy, a safer chemical economy, an environmental economy. Uh, there's been this false distinction that's been perpetrated for the last 20 or 30 years that there's a conflict between a healthy environment and a healthy economy. It turns out to be completely wrong. In fact, the economy of the 21st century is an environmental economy. It is a healthy economy. Well, that's a very interesting thought. I think that's the first time that I've actually been approached with it. Um, well, what can we do to change that? Well, we need to stop subsidizing the oil industry and the industrial agriculture industry and the coal industry and start investing as a society in sustainable agriculture, in green chemistry, in renewable energy sources and have America become a leader again in the kind of healthy global economy that we all want to see. It's going to be good for the economy, it's going to be good for the environment, and it's going to be good for the health of everybody on the planet. Well, if I'm a CEO of a uh, hospital or a healthcare institution, is it worth it to retrofit an old building or should I really just build a new structure? There's a lot of room to retrofit old buildings and to install more energy-efficient heating systems and condition, air conditioning systems, and there's opportunities to install uh, solar uh, technology on the roofs of the buildings and do on-site generation. Uh, there's a whole set of uh, renovations that can make hospitals far more efficient and healthier places to work and operate. And finally, Mr. Cohen, look in your crystal ball, please, and tell me what you see 5, 10, 15 years down the line. I think in the years to come, we're going to see safer chemicals all over the hospital system. Uh, we're going to see green energy. We're going to see solar roofs and other on-site renewable generation in all the hospitals in America. We're going to see green roofs. 
We're going to see hospitals being major buyers and supporters of sustainable agriculture in our society. And I think we're going to see a greater shift toward prevention as a core strategy for healthcare and not just chronic disease management. Imagine for a moment the race for prevention rather than the race for the cure. That's where we need to go. We need to move upstream and start preventing diseases and supporting healthy people on a healthy planet. I want to thank our guest, Mr. Gary Cohen. We've been discussing environmentally responsible building initiatives in healthcare. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening.